Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact information out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206 745 You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read your comments out on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. That's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, which is firearmscafe.com, so please go there and click on these buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. They are all free. If you would like to support the show financially, at the website there is an Amazon search box. If you use it, Amazon will give me a finder's fee on any products that you buy at no additional cost to you. I also have a donate button through PayPal. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Hey everybody, what's going on? Today is Saturday. It's the 27th of December, 2014. Well, this is going to be the last show for the 2014 calendar year. I know you guys are crying and you're very sad and upset that there won't be another 10 shows because I put them out so often. Jeez, it's been, what, a month since I put out a show? But this time I feel I actually have some valid excuses just because of the holidays and everything. At least I can kind of blame the, I can I can hang my excuse hat on that coat rack, I guess, so to speak. Anywho, hope everybody had a really good Christmas and hope everybody has a good new year coming up. Speaking of having a good Christmas, I was actually able to make the final couple of purchases on my AR-15 build project, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, I got, I finally was able to get the uh, Bravo Company, uh, their key mod, the uh, 15-inch version. And that was kind of a, oh, a bit of a journey to get that thing. Um, And I think I talked about it on the, maybe on the last show or two, about how they, when they first originally were going to come out with it, it was going to be in the summer of 2014, but they didn't ever say what month that was going to be. Well, when it came out that first time, I don't know if they maybe only had a hundred of them made or something. And then boom, of course they were sold out. So then I signed up on the email and then I got the email and I was about an hour or so late. You know, by the time I saw it and was able to get to the computer, boom, they were sold out. So a couple more months goes by and I get another email uh, saying, Uh, you know, these are in stock now, uh, go ahead and, you know, if you want to order them. So I, of course, luckily I saw it pretty quick and I ordered them and then a boom again, later that day they were out. So luckily I was able to jump on it. But, uh, and I think that was, that was in December. So anyway, it looks like uh, I'm over on their website. It looks like they're back in stock for the 15. It looks like maybe they're nine and they're 13 are out of stock now. So I don't know if what they did, you know, again, uh, I think I, t- I talked about how we think of these companies be- of being these kind of like these big massive things, but they're actually, when compared to other things, are relatively small. And I think they they try and, much like a grocery stores kind of do now, 
is they have sort of that just on time. So they don't want to have tons and tons of inventory that they've bought and they can't sell. Uh, so I wonder if they maybe kind of shifted production from the, like their, their smaller rail sizes once they saw that there's some demand and now they have, you know, what they would consider to be, uh, oh, uh, a considerable enough stockpile warehoused or something. So maybe they've got, you know, 50 or 60 on hand or something like that. And uh, that way they can kind of meet demand. So anyway, if you guys do want that 15-inch key mod over there, uh, they, like I said, as of today, they are still in stock. Now, uh, another thing, I also got the, I kind of made my final decision on the bolt carrier group. I told you guys I was kind of going back and forth on some of that stuff. And what I decided to do was uh, to go with the Lightner Wise. There was a guy out in California. He's got a company called Civ Tactical. Civ Tactical, C-I-V Tactical. And uh, he has his own, well, uh, what's the, I don't even know what the proper terminology for it would be. I guess he, he gets his bolt carriers, his bolt carrier groups from a certain manufacturer. I'm not exactly sure who, but then what he does is he goes through and he makes sure that everything is in, is in uh, is in specification. So he makes sure that the firing pin isn't too long or too short. He makes sure that the cam out on the um, extractor isn't too much or too little. You know, so he do, he goes through and does all this stuff. Uh, and so I was looking at maybe getting one of his. Uh, just the uh, what's that what's that coating that they have on there? Uh, nickel boron, which is kind of a slick coating. Uh, and it was going to be between that and uh, maybe a Lightner Wise one, or maybe and a, a kind of third in the list was the the Bravo Company thing because I'd heard good things about it. People, you know, liked their bolt carrier group, thought it was a good one. And the prices were all about the same at the time. I think the Bravo Company one was probably about ten fifteen dollars cheaper, and uh, then the Civ Tactical one was about maybe five dollars cheaper than the Leitner Weiss one uh, which was uh, the, the one that I was looking at and I was looking at on the Leitner Weiss I was looking at their one which is the uh, nitride finish and um, like I said they the price difference wasn't that great where it was going to you know it was the, the price was going to be that big of a deal but then they, he kind of came out with that one this is Leitner Weiss kind of came out with the um carbonite i think is what he calls it he had one in nitrate he had like the the nickel boron uh he had one in night what they call black nitride and then he also had one in a, a finish called carbonite and that was uh, you know substantially more uh, but supposedly it was this super hard finish uh, and it's real slick and everything like that i don't know all the technical details to it um, the one thing with the finish, and so anyway, that's what I, I ended up going with that one. Uh, and the reason I ended up going with the carbonite one was because he was doing a thing uh, or up until Christmas where it was going to be 25% off. And I, uh, I, when I saw that, I, th I, th I said, well, okay, that I did the math real quick. And I said, well, geez, I can get this one, which is one that I kind of you know wouldn't mind trying out for the same price as I can get a regular one. So I think it was $170 shipped to the door. And yeah, I know you can get other bolt carrier groups cheaper, 
But for me, that was about the price I was looking to pay anyway. Uh, was right around in there that I was comfortable with. So I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and get this one, and and hopefully it'll be kind of what I want. Also, there's there's certain things that he does with his that I like. So anyway, long story short, because of that 25% off, like I said, I could get it for that better price, and uh, I got it shipped out to the home and everything, I think for like 170 bucks. So, of course, that sale is off. The price is now like 200, it's back to 220. So I ended up saving, you know, realistically about $50, which I was, I was quite happy to, uh, to be able to do that. So the next sort of step in the process for me is I have sort of all the parts that I want. And going back to that guy who, who does the, um, the Civ Tactical, he does a accurization, accurizing, is that how you say it? I don't know, I'm stumbling over it. Accurize, I don't know, I'm just going to, I'm going to say he offers an accurization service because I can say that. I'm stumbling over the other stuff. Um, he has a thing on his website that, that says that he'll, um, you, you got to call in for the pricing and blah, blah, blah. But basically what he does is he it's a it's a service for the for the upper it doesn't have to be an assembled upper and if you know so and since mine isn't assembled yet what he does is he gets everything to what they call duty specifications for police and military or um, I guess maybe even competition use he'll check the feed ramps he'll check the gas port diameter he'll polish the chamber if the barrels need it, they'll be lapped to the upper. So basically, they'll make sure that where the barrel meets the receiver, that that is basically, you know, dead flat. And with the bolt carrier group, he will make sure that it's headspace properly. Uh, like I said before, he'll make sure that the, the firing pin is the right length. He'll make sure that the gas rings are done, all that, and he'll do the, the cam out for the extractor. Uh, so depending on how much that costs, I may or may not send that off to him, uh, and have him do that stuff for me. And that way I've just every, then that way I kind of know that everything is sort of in, in spec and that my tolerances aren't going to be stacking. So if something is a little, you know, if, if part A is out of spec and then part B is maybe a little under and part C is a little, you know, this, that, and the other thing, because I am assembling it from a lot of different manufacturers and a lot of different, uh, that you're going to have different tolerances. Now, everything of course is mil spec. So, but there's still tolerances within those. And maybe sometimes if you have something that's just a little bit out, it's not going to be that big a deal. But if you have three or four things that are a little bit out, then you can, have more of a, uh, a a potential for for problems in the future. So again, like I said, I, I I'm kind of of two minds of it, uh, and I'll I'll call him maybe for the price here and uh, kind of go make my decision after I kind of get that, so I can really have an informed thing. But part of me says, well, I've kind of come this far. And for the most part, I've gotten everything that I've wanted. Uh, so I got the, the upper and the lower receiver that I wanted. I got the barrel that I wanted. I got, you know, the bolt carrier group that I wanted. I got, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So it's kind of like, well, if I've come this far, 
why not go that extra step and, and then just make sure it's all, you know, that I give myself as, as, uh, good a chance as I can get to have a functioning rifle once I get it put together. Uh, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, if it's, I don't know, I, I like I said, I'm just going to have to, uh, to look at the price. I think he used to have a, uh, he used to have it up on his site and it was like, well, I can't even remember because I've, I've looked at so many things over, over the time that I don't know. So, uh, anyway, that's kind of where I'm at on that stuff. I don't think I've got any new feedback. I do have one message from Jeff over on Facebook. And so I will go ahead and read that out. So Jeff wrote in, I just listened to episode 120 about the small guns. If you are considering small 9mm, I have a Diamondback DB9. It is tiny if you want to stay with a 9 but you can't shoot above 124 grain and they don't recommend shooting a steady diet of plus P through it. It is also a bitch to shoot weighing 11 ounces unloaded. But when I need a tiny gun, that is my go-to. That being said, I, uh, excuse me, that being said, there we go. I held a Glock 42 in the store a couple of weeks ago and I really like the feel of the gun. I am not rushing to add another caliber to the mix as I own nothing in 380 now, but the next Glock I win, I will probably go for a Glock 42. All right. Well, hopefully you win one, Jeff. You know, I had gone back and forth and I had looked at that Glock 42. And as you guys know, I talked about that. I ended up going with the car and I, I kind of discussed some of that stuff on the, uh, on the last show. I have shot about a hundred rounds well, pretty much a hundred rounds through it but all I had was the flat nose in the uh, 95 grain and I'd like to shoot some other stuff through it I'd like to shoot uh, some round nose and I'd also like to shoot some uh, maybe uh, uh, golden saber is usually what I carry Remington golden saber but I'd like to shoot some of that through there, maybe about 100 rounds of that, and then 100 rounds of ball, and maybe try a few rounds of the Hornady and see, you know, kind of what. Now, I think I talked about, too, on the last show, or asked about, I was watching some of the, um, excuse me, some of the ballistic tests on uh, YouTube, and these were on some channels that these guys are, are they generally do really good jobs, and they're pretty... Uh, to my eye, at least, they 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 try and and uh, use somewhat of a scientific method when they're doing stuff. And some of them, they were saying, well, here, if you're using the hollow point stuff, it expands. It doesn't really have problems with expanding, but you're not getting the penetration of that minimum penetration, I guess, from the FBI test that they want. What is it like? A minimum of something like thir- twelve or thirteen, uh, and they they prefer. I, I think, what is it, uh, like 15, 16 inches is kind of their preferred penetration in the gel. And they think that that way it'll give you good performance, uh, you know, in a real life situation if you ever had to defend yourself. So I don't know. Um, what they found in the test was is that the hollow points didn't ex- didn't get that level of penetration that they wanted, but the round nose did. So like the ball ammo would give you the deeper penetration. If any of you guys out there 
have any opinions on it as far as what to go. Generally, the the consensus with self-defense ammo is you want hollow points because you want the expansion. You want uh, with the expansion, you don't get the you know like over penetrations or shoot throughs as much as you would with a ball, especially if you're you know going up in nine forty or forty five. You know, in the in the little bit larger calibers, that type of thing. And I'm not really interested in, you know, jumping on the whole what caliber is better. They're all, you know, relatively the same. And I know that I'm kind of stepping down a little bit in the 380. But, uh, again, once I ring the gun out a little bit more, uh, that's going to be what I'm going to have for a backup, especially maybe if it's, uh, you know, when you're going to places where you just want to be able to drop something in your pocket and you're, you know, well, you know, here's a really good example. Let's say that you're going somewhere for, you know, for Christmas or something like that. And so people are going to be hugging on you and grabbing you and you're going to be, you know, running around and stuff like that. If you've got something in that front pocket and nobody's, when they're grabbing you around the waist, nobody's going to, you know, feel you carrying a gun. Now, some of you guys, it may not be that big a deal. And some of you guys may even be open carrying. So everybody's going to see it anyway. And that's just kind of like standard procedure at your home. But, you know, sometimes that isn't always the case, and sometimes our relatives aren't exactly as pro-gun or as supportive of our stance as we'd like them to be. You know, you may say, well, shoot, I don't need a gun for a family gathering, but you still got to drive there. You got to drive there and drive back, so uh, things can happen. Stranger things have been known to happen. Anyway, uh, getting back to the thing about the uh, the penetration and, and all that stuff. Let me know what you guys think or if you have any experience or if some of you guys are uh, uh, kind of in or are more up on the actual science of it. You know, uh, let me know. Would it really make that much of a difference? Because I was thinking, well, I may just end up carrying the ball. And it used to be a long time ago. That's what they said about the 45 is that you were shooting such a big hunk of lead that you might as well just stick with ball. Now I think that's probably since changed. Then of course in nine millimeter, they recommend that you, you shoot the, uh, the hollow point stuff because you're, you've got that velocity and the expansion and blah, 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 blah. So you get like a good energy dump in there. Now I, everybody knows that handgun rounds are not as, uh, preferred as a rifle round or a shotgun, uh, buckshot or a slug, but, you know, everything is kind of a compromise, so. Hey guys, I took a little bit of a break and now I am back, so the, the recording may sound a little bit different, the audio may sound a little bit different here and there. Anyway, let's talk about what's been going on in the news a lot lately, and that has to do with Uh, Several of the incidents involving the police and uh, um, people that have been killed by them or uh, it's been reported that they've been maybe brutalized by them, that type of thing. Uh, Specifically, we can look at the cases of Mike Brown. We can also look at the case of uh, Eric Gardner or Garner, I think it was his uh, was his name. Now, what, I, what I've seen is that most people kind of, when, when these subjects come up, most people kind of fall into two very distinct camps. And each one of these camps, uh, and you could even probably even say like a third camp too, I guess, but each, each one of these 
of, of uh, we'll talk about the, the first two. Each of these thinks they have all the information, and each of these camps thinks that their side is right. And you have the one camp that says, look, the police are justified, and what they did, they did to protect themselves, and they're out there protecting us. Uh, and so sometimes during the course of their duty, they have to uh, engage an individual who is violent and who is out to do them harm and in the worst case scenario may be out to actually kill them. And so when dealing with those type of individuals, you're going to you're going to invariably somebody is probably going to get shot and killed uh, in the in defense of either that officer's life or defense of uh, in, in some instances of the community. And then you have the other camp that says uh, the police are out of control and that they are stopping people and when in the course of that stop, even though the individual isn't wasn't doing anything that put the officer in danger, in true danger, um, that the police are escalating the situation from that initial stop and making it so that either they can uh, shoot and kill the person or, you know, choke them to death or do whatever, but initially that uh, uh, the, the, the thing that first caused the encounter was not of a nature that should involve lethal force. And again, both sides think that they have all the information and both sides aren't really going to change. Uh, and then you have sort of a third camp that's kind of a small camp, I guess, which is the camp that I, I think I find myself in a lot. And that's the camp that says, we're not getting really all the information and we're dealing with a certain group of people that has a lot of power and that in, in, many, case, in many cases and instances, that group that has the power is also controlling the information that gets out to the public. And the camp that I, I think I am in and the camp that I hope that I stay in is the one that is involved with critical thinking, meaning that I want to be able to get as much information as possible. Uh, in an ideal world, I would have all the information. The stuff would be available to us, you know, through things like the Freedom of Information Act. And we would uh, be able to make the best decisions of, uh, that we could based on the information that we have, which would, which would be pretty factual. And I know that's a little bit more of an idealistic thing. Uh, the camp that I'm in also says, again, these individuals, meaning the police, have a lot of power, and therefore they should be held by society as well as themselves to a, to a very, very, very high standard because they have so much power and also as a society because we have been taught from a very young age especially here in the states to respect the uh, the authority that the police have and i've you know i've talked about this stuff a lot before and i've talked about how sometimes the information that we get is designed to lead us down a certain path or to think about things in a certain way. And 
no matter kind of which camp you find yourself in, uh, or if you're somewhere in the middle, like kind of where I think I am, um, try not to let your perceptions be controlled by somebody else, whether that's the media, whether that's some protest group, whether it's uh, the police themselves. You know, try and think critically about uh, about what's going on. Now, in the case of uh, Michael Brown, if what went down was what went down, in that even if the cop, uh, and I forget, Wilson, I think is his last name, even if he had pulled up and, and told those guys, you know, get the fuck off the streets, idiot, and even if he kind of berated them, if that person... Uh, if if uh, Michael Brown at that point then attacked the officer, then you're dealing with a uh, a potentially a lethal force situation. And if the guy tried to to uh, physically assault him, and if he tried to get the weapon away, um, again, people who don't have a lot of experience with firearms can't really understand well how did he get shot you know where he got shot and the way he got shot um but if his hands were up and he started to come up or make a you know what they call a furtive movement or something we as people that are around firearms we know how fast you can actually shoot and so let's say that you know he had taken a couple of shots and then it seemed like he was still coming at him and but he as he was falling the guy is like bang 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 um you know, from what I have been able to gather, and again, I don't have all the information, uh, and I guess maybe I shouldn't be throwing out my opinion on it too much because then I sort of maybe cross the line from critical thinking into supposition. But it seems like he he might have been justified, and again, it's it's hard for me to say, but I can understand how the scenario could have gone down in a way to where the officer was justified. Uh, in the case of uh, Eric Garner, the, the the dude in New York, again, from what I saw, you see a guy who was being who was saying, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be compliant. I'm not." And I'm not exactly sure how they first came to have an interaction with him, but what he's saying is, you know, I'm not having anymore. I'm not gonna be compliant. Well, he didn't say I'm not gonna be compliant, but he said, "I'm." I'm and basically, I'm not going to cooperate with you guys. Uh, just leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. Now, at that point, um, the police have a lot of different options that they could go with. One of the things that they should not have done, because it's in it's in the police department's own policy, is to apply the chokehold. You know, why they didn't tase the guy, I guess there were several of them there. So, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, in, in a way you could say we weren't there for the whole thing, but we were there for at least part of it. But could that have situation been, been handled a little differently? And was it a, a different situation than the one that involved, uh, uh, Michael Brown? And you would say, yeah, because you have like kind of a one-on-one -on -one thing, uh, versus maybe another situation where again, you have a guy who looks like he's kind of a big dude, uh, but you have several police that are there. So, uh, you know, I've been involved when I was in probation, uh, I, I worked in detention and I've talked about this stuff before and some of the, 
you know, even though I was in the juvenile branch, some of those kids uh, were, again, were like, you know, the Michael Brown size. They were like, you know, six foot four, six, five. Some of them were pretty big kids. Uh, and sometimes um, you would have to kind of go hands on with them. Having said that, there are certain things that you just didn't do. But anyway, I guess maybe the, the, the point I'm trying to make is try and engage in critical thinking with this stuff. You know, wherever you come down is where you're going to come down. I can't tell you, you know, how to feel or, or what you think, but uh, try to look at this stuff from as many angles as you can and get as much information as you can and try not to jump on the hype bandwagon for either side. You know, like I said, I've talked before a lot about that because the police have such power and that we've given them a lot of power in our society, that it can be easy uh, for, for that agency, especially if they start to see themselves as separate from the community to kind of abuse that power. So I think that there should be lots of checks and balances and that there should be responsibility, much like for us. You know, we are, as, as armed citizens, we are responsible for every uh, shot that, that will be fired in, in self-defense and uh, we will be held accountable for those. Uh, and, and that's what I think needs to happen with the police. It also needs to happen with the people that they're interacting with. Uh, you know, so if somebody has escalated a situation again, uh, with personal freedoms comes personal responsibilities, which means if you, uh, cause harm to another, you're going to need to, uh, pay the price for that. So anyway, uh, I also wanted to recommend some shows and give some shout outs. So we will end the show here pretty quick on a up note. Actually, uh, I need to take another quick break and I will be right back. All right. I am back. Uh, let's see, you know, I have been listening to a couple of new shows and I, uh, have been really enjoying them. One of them is slam fire radio and that's with our friends up in the North with, uh, Trevor Owen and Matthew. And I'm enjoying quite a bit. So uh, go ahead and give those guys a listen. I am also have been listening to uh, the Arm Squirrels Project with Sticks and Toby. And I got to say that is becoming one of my uh, favorite shows. I really enjoy listening to those guys. I always have a good time now. For those of you guys that, that uh, have been listening to them in the past and are kind of caught up with them, I kind of miss the old squirrel. I remember when they, uh, I well, the past probably month or so, I've been getting kind of caught up and bouncing around here and there on their show. Uh, but I always liked when the little squirrel character would make his uh, appearance, but I have kind of a goofball sense of humor, so I always thought that was funny. Also, another thing that I wanted to talk about, and uh, oh, well, before we jump in with that, let me recommend a couple other shows. We've got the Road Gunner podcast, uh, Ken and Brian over at... Um, Modern Rifleman Radio, and of course, the Road Gunner podcast is with uh, little Chaz Murray. I can see his sweet little face right now. Um, but uh, oh, and another thing with the Road Gunner, he put out a show that I really uh, got a, uh, a lot of enjoyment out of, and that was his latest one where he interviewed George uh, Hill. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that yet, go over there and give that a listen. 
let's see what else. Oh, I think there's a gunfighter cast, which is always a big favorite of mine with uh, Daniel and John. There's a gun dudes. Then there's like, I guess you would call uh, more like more mainstream or mainstream or more, I don't know, professional, I guess, for lack of a better word. Not so much the hobbyists, but guys that actually make their living at it, which is Tom Gresham, which gun talk and then Michael Bain with uh, downrange radio. So anyway, uh, what I was going to talk about is since I have been listening to Arm Squirrels Project, they talk a lot about Appleseed, and especially Sticks has a real passion for that. And he's kind of uh, uh, lit a fire under me to go ahead and uh, take that. I'd, I'd always been aware of it and kind of always in the back of my mind, I kind of thought, well, you know, one of these days I'll get around to going and. Uh, but it was never something that I really considered much of a priority. Uh, but now it is, and, and as the new year is fast approaching, uh, I do want to try and, and uh, attend one of those and get my rifleman's patch. Uh, so I am actually signed up out here in Arizona, and it's at the Buckeye Range for April the 18th and 19th. And I think there's 40 tickets. Uh, the adults, I think, are $60 if you're military or police. Um, and I don't, I don't remember if you, if you're, if you're retired military, if you get like a discount, but I know if you're active duty military or police, you can get a free, it's free for you to come. Or if you, sh- I think if you're maybe a member of a reenactment group or something, I wasn't really clear on that, but there, there was something on there that said, and I'm not looking at the site, so I can't really remember, but there was something on there that said, if you show up in period reenactment clothing that you would be able to, you know, shoot for free. If you're under 18, I think it's, I think it's $20, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, I like I said, I'll be doing the two day shoot. So if you guys, um, anybody out here in Arizona that wants to do it, it's, it's probably far enough in advance. And if you wanted to sign up for it, you could definitely be able to get the tickets. So it would be nice to, uh, maybe meet up with some of you guys out there and uh, over the next, uh, over that weekend and kind of do our, uh, our best to get that rifleman's patch. If I don't get it, I'll, you know, I'll chalk it up to a learning experience. And especially since it's only 60 bucks, I'll go back and, uh, like I said, and, and keep trying until I get it. That is definitely something that I want. Uh, but I think the value that you're going to get from it, especially from the things that, uh, Sticks and Toby have been talking about, and even Ken talks about it too, but the amount of training that you get uh, for the money that you're going to be spending uh, is a really, really good value. So uh, I think that is going to wrap it up um, for the show today. I hope everybody, again, had a really good Christmas, and I hope everybody has a really good New Year. And stay safe out there, be aware, and I will talk to you guys next time.
what's the matter? Did a cop give you a ticket for talking like a fruit? <laughs>